This is a parental guidance moment. Welcome back to the Sunday service. It's the home of the Hostel Gospel. It's the world's shittest podcast, bruh. Got a very special guest with me today, uh, Mr. Ben Stevenson, a comedian from up north, mate. Welcome to Newey. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I didn't realize it was the shittest. It is the shittest. That's the that's the title that we're going with. And uh, there's a few podcasts out there that are trying to kind of take my name. <laughs> oh, so yeah, yeah, I bet there's a plenty. I'm of in heavy competition with some uh, with some shit cunts out of there. So, um, mate, welcome. How did last night go? Hosted the club. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was great. Yeah. What a. I mean, you've done that club heaps of times before. Yeah. It's, uh, Newcastle Comedy Club. So much fun. Um, do you just want to get this a bit closer to your oh, yeah, face, sorry, by the way? Keep it like a fist away. Should be good. I'll, uh, yeah, it was so much fun. Uh, I, I've done it once before. I did a, my fringe show there uh, at the start of the year, but I haven't actually hosted the club. And yes, the, just the crowd is always up for it. Yeah. Um, and it's just got such a good reputation from like, everybody up north that I gig with. So, yeah, good fun. Yeah, a lot of the Sydney comics that come as well love it. Yeah. And love the looseness of the crowd and... Kind of like what we were saying earlier off air, how you can get away with more and you can be a bit rowdy and you yeah. don't have to work super hard for a laugh on a showcase weekend. Yeah, they're just they're on there. board. They're, like they, they'll spot you making a joke and like, yeah, we like it. We give that, we award that. Yeah. Um, so we also like to do a beer breakdown on each episode. So each episode I get a different beer for a different guest mm-hmm. and I thought that this beer might coincide with some of the things we're going to talk about today. So we'll get into that. feel when you hear that music i uh, i feel don't be like afraid to pour a bit of head in there as well yeah okay yeah. I, I um i'm from victoria originally so oh. i should honestly i should have been standing for that <laughs> hand <laughs> hand over the heart yeah <laughs> close my eyes weep a little tear yeah which is cheers man cheers man it should be good great what are these glasses so these mm. are like these are special ipa glasses so basically they're designed to have that little bit of extra level of head there. Oh, so I've, I fucked that up. Sorry. That's all good. <laughs> um, and yeah, like sometimes I don't want to be like, oh, I'll pour the beer for you because it's just a bit rude. But yeah, you're supposed to get a, a good inch or so of, of head on these glasses. Oh, and okay. I don't know what it does, but apparently there's different beer glasses for different beers. So yeah. we've got schooner glasses and everything, obviously, or from Melbourne, pots and pints. Apparently this shape is supposed to... It enhances the flavors. It's supposed to enhance the flavors. It could be a massive wank, but it, it tastes very beery. So it's does working. it? Yeah. All right. Oh, that is beery. It is. Um. So what we're drinking is an Akasha Project once again. Mm-hmm. So we had them last week. This is the Wooden Leg Triple IPA. So this brewery is based in Five Dock in Sydney. Mm-hmm. In need of a stiff one. A few come stiffer than our anniversary beer. Kicking out the jams with Simcoe, Amarillo and Continental. Oh, what? Centennial. (laughs) How embarrassing. (laughs) Kicking out the jams with Simcoe, Amarillo and Centennial. This triple tipple delivers profusely fruity, piney flavour with a sweet bit of finish that is beautifully balanced in every sense of the word. Yeah, right. 
Now, are they a sponsor? Is this a? No, I'm not. I'm not that popular, yeah. unfortunately. We'll get there, mate. We'll get there. We'll get there eventually. But yeah, that they've just got um, the si- the guy that brews down there is a bit of a kind of mad scientist when it comes to his process and everything. So he right. makes he makes really good beers, especially of a hoppier profile, like yeah, like these. There's so a lot of flavor in this. It's it is uh, it like it is a very stiff drink, and this is we should put we, a disclaimer. It's a ten point five percent alcohol beer, it's so three point one standard drinks. Yeah, I was just like, hey, I'm having Ben on, and I want to fucking, <laughs> I want something, I want something strong. I want him throwing up on the ferry. Home, what I want. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and uh, and why I, I particularly like this can is it makes mention if you're in need of a stiff one. Now I've never been good enough to play sports at a professional level, but. Or even a semi-professional level. <laughs> but I've always wanted to attend a Mad Monday simply for the yarns. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to play the sport. I just want to show up later and get drunk. I, yeah. I like if I could get a position in a club where it's just like morale booster, where, you know, like if after, the, after we've lost a few games and the boys yep. are a bit down on the spirits, I'll just come in and just be like, hey, life's all good. You, Boost you, the morale. Do you reckon the mascot gets invited to Mad Monday? Oh, I've never thought about that. Sure, oh, I don't know. I hope so. I th- it depends at what level, I guess. I suppose, yeah. I don't think like the Glen Waverley Football Club, for instance, who I imagine we're going to be talking about. Yeah. I don't know if they have a, a mascot. Yeah, like I was thinking, I wonder if Victor the Viking gets to go and party with the Raiders boys. He'd have to, sure. I hope so. Although I reckon they give those jobs to like the gymnasts and the dancers who would just, they'd be clean eating the entire time. Yeah. Because they've got to be... There was one guy who did Victor the Viking for years, and I think he ended up retiring at one point, and they got a new Victor in when I was yeah, right. still living in Canberra. <laughs> so it was like a prestigious job that you could go for. You could apply to be Victor the Viking. So. <laughs> um, but back to the Glen Waverly, Waverly Football Club. Um, so some footage has emerged earlier in the week of the club's Mad Monday celebration as it's gone viral after a drunken bet resulted in two players performing a sex act in public. The loser of the bet had to suck the team captain's dick in front of the boys. <laughs> and the bl- <laughs> and he's been filmed whilst doing it. So the guy that got the guy that was doing the sucking, his missus has subsequently seen this video and now they've like now they've split really? up. Oh, yeah. that's oh, that's tragic, isn't it? Yeah. But wow. this it's just it makes me laugh that footy boys are so loose and generally it's rugby league players. So finally the AFL boys have stepped up to the mark and they're like, you know what? I'll suck off the team captain in front of everyone. (laughs) If anything, morale wise, wouldn't it be the team captain who should do like, should take one for the team quite literally and do the sucking? And do the sucking? I don't know. Or is it a hierarchy thing that the team captain gets his dick sucked? I've got to, I've got to point out that, all the headlines are saying that the t- the dude got sucked off, but you showed me the video just before. I didn't see any actual sucking. It seemed very just mechanical. Oh, I think he gets his mouth around it, and I think he does I've, it. It just se- it seems very, like, mouth on, then mouth off. I don't think yeah. the actors, like, honestly, can we have some decent journalism around this, please? Exactly <laughs> right. You know, the dick wasn't hard. It was still flaccid. It, he wasn't enjoying the blowjob, so I feel like, you know, he was a bit hardly... Cr- Hardly done by that. It barely counts. It barely counts. That's right. That's what we're saying. You know, as uh, one of the boys in the group chat said, if it's soft, play on. So, um, yeah, I'm just happy that this is AFL because rugby league usually takes the brunt of of the Mad Monday. Um, Yeah. 
Well, I think this would actually be almost a, a positive scandal in the NRL world. Like, uh, considering what they went through with the Manly Pride jersey, exactly. this could almost offset it <laughs> and just be like, you know, we're not we're not all hung up about that kind of stuff. Like, some of us liked it, you know, we're all up for it, whatever. Yeah. You know? We were talking last week how Kalen Ponger and Kurt Mann got caught in the bathroom, right. allegedly doing cocaine. Just at, this is around the corner from here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, just at the Delaney Hotel. Dude, I saw the funniest thing. So someone, uh, shout out to Shive Prima, who's a comedian uh, in Newcastle as well. I don't know if he got this plaque made, but someone's made a plaque, like they've gone to an engraver, and it says, here in this toilet, uh, Kalen Ponger was sick <laughs> and Kurt Mann help, her, helped him out after buying a house and they've glued it in the toilet. Fantastic. It's so fucking funny. And yeah, so Shive has a video on his Instagram of him stumbling into the toilet and finding that plaque and then there's a ripped up baggie on the ground. So great. it's uh, it's it's awesome. But we were talking about it. Why wouldn't you just go down the bisexual route there? Mm. If Kurt Mann and Kalen Ponger, once this video emerged, they'd just be like, no, we're actually... We're in a bisexual relationship and the yeah. way that the game is, we've never felt comfortable to show public affection. So when the time's right, we go into the bathroom and we quickly make out with one another and then go back out. Exactly. And everybody would know that that's a load of shit, but no one would have the audacity. We would, we'd to have it. to just go, yeah. can't call them on it, can't call them on it. All right, I guess that's fine. I mean, what else were they doing in the bathroom there? They had to be had to be making out. Have you had any mates that have told you any Mad Monday yarns that just make you laugh? Uh, no, see, I'm, I don't hang around with sports people all that much. But what is quite hilarious is that uh, I, I knew about this story about the Glen Waverley Football Club. I didn't know it was Glen Waverley. And you told me just before... I like I grew up in Glen Waverley. Like, Where I, so Northern I'm, New South Wales? Or? No, no. Like I grew up in Victoria. So I that's grew, right. I grew up in Melbourne uh, before I moved uh, sort of further north. I went to Glen Waverley High School. Like you're kidding. I went to the Glen Primary School. Like this is around the corner from my house. I've probably got mates on Facebook <laughs> who may have been at the pub that, when this happened. That allegedly the Glen Waverley Football Club trashed. I don't know which pub it is, but I have a feeling it was probably already trashed. I'm just saying, like, yeah. So, so Gwen, uh, Glen Waverley isn't a nice part of Melbourne. It is, but the, the every time I've been to a pub there, the like, it's like they don't believe that toilets should have doors on them. You know? Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird vibe. Yeah, I hate those bathrooms. You go in, there's there's just piss everywhere. Just, oh, it's so wild, isn't it? Like, yeah. How do people get so violent in the bathroom? And yeah, it's just like I don't, I don't know, like. <laughs> Violent is a good word, like, it's just, and it's like people just walk in. They're like, you know what, dude, fuck it. I'm, I don't get to do this at home. Yeah. So they just piss everywhere, it's and they're just, just like fucking spray anywhere but the toilet. It's somebody else's job to clean it up. This is who I truly am. If the, if I could do this at home and get away with it, if I didn't have to deal with the repercussions, this is what I'd be like. Oh, and you feel like there's just deviants out there that are like, I can't do this anywhere else but a public toilet. The worst though is if you're on a night out or something and a code brown hits and you're like, oh my God, like I need to shit. And then you run into a toilet and you just have a sad state of affairs. There's oh. vomit in one. There's like yeah, piss everywhere. No toilet paper in another one. It's like, this is there. This is a real life horror movie for me when that happens. I, if I was ever out at a, like a nightclub or somewhere or at a pub and I had to do a shit, I'd be like, I'm going home. I'm yeah. done. This is me. Like I'm not, 
I know, I know one of the uh, one of the boys who shall remain nameless. He on a night out in Canberra. So there was, there used to be this pub where the Kingston Hotel is the name of the pub, and one day of the year it's incredibly busy, and it's Christmas Eve. For whatever reason, everyone okay. goes to this pub. And it's not big enough to facilitate every cunt, but everyone's there. And, yeah, one of the boys had one of these Code Brown incidents. So he's, like, ran into the bathroom. There's, It's just not usable. And he's like, fuck. So he ran outside and across the road there's a service station. So he's like, all right, the servo will help me out here. So he's oh gone no. to the service station and they were like, nah, mate, you can't use the, the bathroom. It's for staff only. So then he had to panic. So he bought, like, toilet paper and just had to go rogue and found <laughs> found a um, found a stormwater drain and you know you know <laughs> you know there's handles like on the stormwater drain so if you fall in you can like climb your way out. It was just hanging off one oh, of those. Oh man, that's just, a risky oh, move. Oh dude, then the yeah like I think the funniest thing was he was eating curry like prior to that as well. I was like, dude, this is, you just got yourself in one hell of a pickle, my friend. But imagine imagine you're a service station worker, right? And you, somebody comes in, asks to use the bathroom <laughs> in a panic. They're just like, obviously like they're at the cusp. Yeah. And you have to go, no, sorry, it's staff only. And so you just watch them buy toilet paper <laughs> and, and then disappear into the night. <laughs> you're just like... I hope that's not oh, on dude, yeah. company property. I hope it's just 100 metres down the road. Yeah, just over the street, just not my issue. I do not want to deal with Fucking that. Fucking hilarious, man. <laughs> we, um, Yeah, this this podcast has literally contained shit stories the past kind of three weeks. People probably, well, you said it was the shittest podcast. It is, so. like, <laughs> quite, <laughs> quite literally it gets talked about every week and it is a, is a very shit podcast. But back to, <laughs> back to Mad Monday. I've had a few friends uh, growing up that played rugby at a... Uh, like a semi kind of professional, I guess, like Division One, and yeah. another mate that's played rugby league and has moved up north, and they were telling me some pretty funny stories about Mad Monday because this was circulating around. And he said at one point on a Mad Monday, the boys had like a who's loser competition, and everyone was trying to outdo one another. So it started yeah. with like a nutty run around a facility where they were drinking. Yeah, right. Then it turned into like someone did a butt chug. Then one of the boys was eating a urinal cake, just walking around, just <laughs> holding a urinal cake and eating it. It's like, what happens to men's brains it's when they join a football club <laughs> and they get on this like inner sanctum of the bro? Anytime you get more than four dudes in a room, it just the IQ plummets. Yeah. And it's just, and even the, you introduce alcohol and it just turns into like degeneracy. Not to mention probably the other shenanigans that are going on. Yeah. Involved in a, in one of these benders. However, that's not the funniest story. So one of my friends told me a yarn of, so I think it was day two after the, so I think the grand final had been. Yep. Partied for a day. Now they're into day two. And typically you would have partied after the grand final as well. So they're just in a state of affairs. Yeah. They'd privately booked this room out and it had, as part of the package, food like sausage rolls, frankfurts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. One of the boys goes, how many of those little cocktail frankfurts, frankfurts do you think I can fit up my ass? <laughs> Why like, is it always <laughs> the ass? <laughs> God's pocket, dude. Like, is, do you reckon that's why the manly players were like, we can't, like, 
we can't put the pride jersey. If we put the pride jersey on, the next thing we stuff and Sasha's role just like that's just the next step. It's just so it, like it's the logical progression after you have yeah. rainbow clothes. You'll just start shoving utensils up. Don't your open ass. the floodgates. Don't open it. <laughs> <laughs> we spent twenty three years praying so this didn't happen. <laughs> so, so uh, I mean, Mad Monday. I've. I know the stories go around of like it's the AFL and NRL that tend to do this. And it we're kind of at that point now because finals have started for both the codes, haven't they? Yeah. Or about to start for rugby league and I think AFL's not too far away. But so the teams that are doing Mad Monday now aren't in the finals. Yeah, that's right. So they're just going out and writing themselves off. So I don't think – I think there's still a few regular season le- games left. Okay. Um, but then, like you said, once that cutoff is done, then, yeah, all the they, shit teams get to go do their Mad Monday. All, should they be given a Mad Monday? I think so. You reckon? I'm, I'm pro Mad Monday. They're, they're I'm, not in the finals. That's my thing is, like, if you get in the finals and then you get knocked out, you're done well. But, like, you were – you're in the bottom half <laughs> – You've been mad Monday you sure? every weekend. <laughs> yeah, like maybe you should skip the booze. Yeah, like West Tigers probably don't deserve a mad Monday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the Gold Coast Titans have been doing that all year because they live on the Gold Coast. <laughs> <laughs> if you're like, you know, the like what is it, like grade three reserve side in some like suburb and you get doing it into the finals there, like what are you doing? Like you're just going out on the piss. Oh, that's just an excuse to get away from your significant <laughs> other for two days. I'm just like, sorry, God, I don't actually like football. I just like stubbing, yeah. stuffing like it's, it's like fishing meat pies up my ass. Yeah. I have no other way to get away with it. <laughs> it's like fishing trips and golf trips. Like I'm convinced that 90% of dudes that go on these trips don't like the sport. They just want to get away from their misses. It's got to be. Have you ever done golf? You ever played golf? Yeah, my brother and my dad love golf. Are they okay at home? Like that- my yeah. <laughs> well, like I was I was bouncing this because I've started to curate a bit about this, and I like I sent this to my brother, and I was just like, man, like there's got to be something in this, and I was just like, yeah, it's just that's why it's a heterosexually dominated sport because they're all just trying to get away from their misses, and yeah. it's like, don't believe me, name me an openly gay PGA player. <laughs> so like they're just not around. Like, not. And it's like and gay dude, I don't know a gay dude that's too into fishing. Like there might be one out there, but. And Most then, of my friends that I know that are gay don't fish, don't play golf. They're sports that take all day. Yeah. Like just I I've I've gone to golfing like once or twice and just smack some balls around, like gone in the driving range and I get that. But like an eight hour day, I'd get so over it. I do not play it serious. Me and my friends have come up with a game that's kinda called casual golf, which is by far I think the best way to play golf. So yeah. you rock up. You get dropped to the golf course because we always drink responsibly. For sure. And then at the clubhouse, you can buy like six packs or whatever. In your golf bag, you can smuggle a few extras. So by the club standards, you're helping them out. You're paying 30 bucks for a VB six pack. You then hire you a You got cart. some of these 3.1s in the, yeah, <laughs> the you golf got some, bag. Yeah, you've stashed some 3.1ers. <laughs> and then you just play and you just get pissed on the golf course and... If you hit the ball into the rough and you're not satisfied with it, pick it up and throw it where you intended it to land <laughs> and then play Ambrose. So out of the three of you, one of you cunts has had a good shot. <laughs> so then you can just go and just play golf and it's just like all of the fun and none of the stress. Yeah. It's, it's a good way to play it. I like that. I like that. Um, yeah, talking about b- back to our, our mate. So he said to one of the boys, he's like, I want to make a – he goes, tell the boys I want to make a speech for the end of the year season Mm. 
and he goes, I'm gonna go to the I'm gonna go to the bathroom. So he's taken the cocktail frankfurts, gone into the bathroom, and then in the meantime, one of the boys is like rounded everyone up and it's just like, Yeah, Joey wants to do a speech. And he's like, Joey, mate, they're all here, ready for you. <laughs> he's come out naked, like crab walking. <laughs> Just like walked in front of the boys <laughs> and just shut out these cocktail fragments. <laughs> apparently shut out 13. <laughs> All right, that's, like, no, that's impressive. Dude, that's how do you even get that in there? Like they're so soft. Like I feel like that would just break, dude. Yeah, and it's like of all the things, they've got weird little skins. Like there's just so much that could go wrong with this activity. I think in the AFL world that counts as a TED talk. I think that's an inspirational. <laughs> like, boys, if you if you just commit, if you if you put your mind to it, thirteen. You know, you, <laughs> that's what we can get. From. I didn't when I was going in there. I didn't think I could get to thirteen, but I stuck it out, and here I am today, standing before you. I used the David Goggins forty percent rule, and <laughs> when I thought I was full, I was. I told myself I'm only forty <laughs> percent. And that's how I got to 13. Unbelievable, dude. It just makes me laugh so much. Um, so, yeah, so back to comedy for a little bit. So you hosted the club last night. Yeah. Hosting the club again tonight. Uh, no, just jumping up, I think. I'm doing a, a little spot. Yeah, cool. Which, so uh, they like seven, ten minutes or? Uh, I think about ten or something. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah. It's, um, I, as much as I love the hosting and doing well with hosting, I, I love just doing a spot. Yeah. Just, I hosted during the week, and I haven't done MC in ages. So yeah, you know, right. you know, Maddie B. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So he ran like a little bit of a how to MC course. Yeah, okay. Last weekend, so it was perfect timing. So it all just kind of just basic pointers of what you should what you should hit out, and yeah. most of the stuff I was like, "Yep, yeah, I'm on top of that." It's but there a, was one or two good ones, and he made a pretty valid point that. A lot of the time, if the show goes really well, it has a lot to do with the MC, but you don't notice all the little checklists that they've gone through. It's got everything to do with the MC. There's so much pressure on on the MC. Uh, like you can have a couple of shit acts who lose the crowd, but if you've got the MC there to keep the audience safe and just be like, it's okay, you know, because the whole night I'm in charge, you're in good hands, this guy's going to come on, then he'll fuck off. And then somebody else will come on. It's yeah, it's such a big difference. And when I like, how many times have you MC? Like, is it? Oh, dude, I did it in Canberra a few times. Yeah. Um, I inherited a room of a comedian that didn't want it, and it was just kind of not really structurally set up great for comedy. Yeah. And it was too early for me to do it. I think at the time I just did it because it was great experience. Yep. But at the time, like knowing what I know now. I was like, I could have done a way better job for those people. And that's yeah. a part of the reason why those nights sucked. But Well, that's the thing is like if you're MC and the crowd hates the MC and can't wait for the MC to get off stage, that's a worry. Like, yeah. You're not supposed to be there for too long anyway. But if they are like, oh, God, this guy's back. If they, You're not supposed to be that before the acts. You're supposed to kind of. Just level things out. Yeah, and we trust. We trust this guy. Like, yeah, it's all. Yeah, it's so much about trust. And we 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 definitely learnt that. And the so on Tuesday night we did it like as a dual person MC. So we kind of were bouncing back off each other a little bit. Yeah, nice. Opened up with some crowd work, led them into bits, and yeah, for the majority of it, it was really good. There was obviously a first few timers that were giving it a crack, and I said to the other MC, I was like, okay, so. 
I'm just going to tell a quick bit and get the energy back up in the room. Yeah. And then, and then go. But that's something very important that Maddie had taught us as well. Like if they're doing good or even all right, just keep the, keep it going. It's yeah. only if they really suck the air out of the room and yeah. everyone's like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. Get them back up. That's, yeah. If like, I think, and you see it with a lot of, uh, newer MCs, they feel like they've got to do more. Like they're like, you know, you do your five or 10 to warm them up at the start, but then they're like, Oh, I'm just, I'm just getting on. And then saying that person was on and now this person was on and they feel obligated to do some stuff where it's like, no, just don't, yeah, just you get don't them up. have to, no one's like, no one, and there's no, no one is wondering, Oh, why didn't the MC get up and do three minutes just then? Like, and there's they, nothing worse than when say you've got a bit about Nick Kyrgios mm. and it's a killer bit that you've done heaps. And then the MC gets up and he's like, Oh yeah. Bloody Nick Kyrgios. Fucking yeah. I, uh, my family thinks he's a dickhead. And yeah. then everyone's like, Okay. Yeah. And he's just like, fucking, yeah, man. Um, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so tennis is uh, is a bit weird. What do you reckon? And yeah. then you t- everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Yeah, you don't have to reflect on everything. You can just, yeah, you, you, you power through. And it, it also works in the opposite way. Like if somebody gets up and they just crush, like if it's just roaring laughter, the last thing you want to do is bring on the next act with that energy. Like you actually want to get up and you want to just let everybody settle and you just kind of calm everybody down because otherwise the act that comes on after that has to match that energy straight away. And it's yeah. like, that's not fair on them because they've you don't know what their style is if they're like a dry, sort of slightly reserved, you know, deadpan comedian who doesn't have that energy. And so you get up and you just kind of, you're like, you know, we've got an Instagram page, like something sort of dull, something not too lively. And then you bring the next act on to like a level out crowd. It's yeah, a, it's, it's a it's an interesting art form to learn being a good MC. It's a separate skill set completely. Yeah, like you can. I've I know so many comedians who are great MCs struggle doing like a solid bit, and then you see like people who can crush a headline spot, but then don't know how to do the ins and outs of the MC stuff. Like yeah, it's, a weird it's, thing. it's definitely an interesting skill set to have. Yeah. And my mindset is, I want to be able to do that. I want to be. Because that helps with my crowd work as well. Because I like to do crowd work. Yeah. But I, you know, you need to have well-written, well-versed bits as well because there'll come a point in comedy where you can't rely on crowd work. Yeah. So it's a dead end if you keep going down that way. So it's a, it's interesting to like, I, it's like a, one of those big spinny wheels. That it's just like, all right, I'm going to do crowd work. I can do all this. It's yeah. like, I want to be able to do everything on. You want to tick all the boxes. Yeah. yeah. And it, yeah, the, the great thing about MC work is that, you like half the battle is just getting up for so many rooms and just kind of going comedy is going to happen now and getting people just on board with that concept Yeah, because it's, there's always this kind of tension and I, you see it and I've done it as well where you'll get up and you're the MC for the night when you normally do like a spot or something and you're doing the material that you've, you've done throughout your, you know, your fives and your tens. You're like, this is good material. It's solid. It's a, it's, 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 the good stuff and you try and do it to a cold audience and it falls flat. Yeah. And I've watched my mates who have really great bits do those thinking this will get them on board, but they're not quite there yet. And you just see the terror in their eyes. Like what the fuck is going on? This bit works. Why isn't it This is like this bit has never had a problem. Yeah. And they just, yeah, you see that sense of panic and it's, yeah, it takes a, I've always found like you do like three or four minutes of just, pointing at stuff in the room is going, all right, there's a lamp there. There's a, you know, 
Yeah. And just kind of letting everybody get settled and be aware. That and a especially going. like with if there's like a few tables in the front, the way I look at it is your team, their team audience. Mm. So if I can crack the first three tables, left, center, right, yep. then that represents everyone else. So if I get these tables here to laugh and they get on board and I'm joking around, I'm playing with them, Yeah, naturally everyone's like, oh, okay, like he's cool, like it's yeah. going to get there. But I've made the exact same mistake where you grab a microphone, you're in a – in a bar where people don't even know there's comedy going on. It's just like... Those are the worst. Yeah, way. so, uh, fuck, I uh, uh, wouldn't mind trying some meth, you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? And yeah, everyone's like, yeah. wait, what the fuck? What's <laughs> it? Who gave that guy a microphone? Uh, sorry, guys, I'm just about to shove 13 Frankfurts up my ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a crab walk out of the <laughs> stage and just drop them everywhere. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely a very interesting skill set and it's, it's kind of cool adding weapons to the arsenal and then it is. eventually getting to use them. How it did is. how did you get started doing comedy? Were you in Victoria? Yeah, so I was in Melbourne um, and I, I started about, I think it was about 10 years ago now. Um, I did my first spot and it was like comedy was something I grew up with. Um, you know, I watched stuff on like, uh, I think it was UK TV. Like we had Foxtel yeah. and there would be like a half hour show every Wednesday or something at 10 o'clock. Like live at Jonglers or something, or some club in the UK, okay. and I'd watch people like Jeff Green get up and do stuff there, and I was like, "This is incredible!" And then I, you know, I got into uh, Bill Hicks and like George Carlin, and it was something that I'd always wanted to do, or always had the idea of like that would be fun. Terrified of getting on stage, like I was the guy who would stay home the day of like the oral presentation in class. Okay. Like I was just terrified. You could not get me up there at all. And then eventually, I'm like. I gotta do it. Like I'm like, what am I gonna? I'm gonna die at 90 years old. Like, oh, I get. I guess I never did that. Yeah. Um. So I, I asked a few friends for for some advice because uh, I just got into doing community radio at the time, and they're like, oh yeah, we know the place. We will sign you up. And they they signed me up to his. Um. It was a guy named Travis Nash, who ran uh Death Star Canteen. Okay. Which is um it's a place in Collingwood, um and he yeah he just put me on the bill and. I jumped up, thought I was going to pass out because it was just terrifying. Um, and it didn't go awfully. Like they, you know, it, I don't know if the, it happened for your first time, but the the MC said, this person's trying comedy for the first time. And then the crowd were like, all right, this dude could shit out 13 Frankfurts on stage. We're going <laughs> to, like, we're just going to, we're going to, yeah, yeah good, good on you because we don't want you to bomb. We want it to go well for you. We're nervous for you. So we're going to laugh at everything you say. Yeah. And so, like, it, it, I was, it went well enough. I'm like, okay, I'll do that again. Yeah, okay. There was one thing that uh, when I was conscious of doing the MC work on Tuesday when it was someone's first time, I always asked them that question. Do yeah. you want me to introduce you as this is the first time doing comedy? Yeah. And one guy's like, no, because it's actually a surprise bit in, in my material. I'm like, all good. Yeah, cool. One of the other guys was like, absolutely. Yeah. And I think for that exact reason, he's like, it's an additional safety blanket. So they'll give, it you, is. They'll yeah. give you a bit of a sympathy. Oh, okay, I can see what he's trying to do there. Yeah. But more importantly, afterwards, when you step off stage, you do have that realization, like that wasn't as bad as as yeah. what I thought. Yeah, you're like, it, and it, we had someone because I run some gigs in uh, in Coffs Harbour, and we had a, a girl get up uh, on Thursday night for the first time, and she was she was just nervous as hell before, and I was I knew I couldn't really say anything to stop her from feeling terrified because you can't you you can't reason with somebody at that point because no. they're like, what am I doing? I'm going on stage to try comedy. You fucking insane. Um, and I just said, look, everybody is terrified. 
the first time they do it, you're never going to feel ready. But I promise you, nothing is actually going to go wrong. Like you're not going to die. Nobody in the audience is going to die. If it goes poorly, it just is a little bit awkward and then you go home. And like that's the worst thing. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I'm overthinking this way too much. Yeah, and it's good advice. There was a one of the young fellas that tried it out on, on Tuesday night, like came up to me um, in the break and he's like, hey, man, it's my first time. Do you mm. have any pointers? And I just shook his hand. And I was like, dude, have fun. Yeah. And I was like, this sounds like the worst advice that you're ever going to get. Yeah. Have fun. But I was like, you only get one first time of doing it. Yeah. You're doing it at the Newcastle Comedy Club. There couldn't be a better venue for you to try do this out. Uh, yeah. And I was just like, some shit's going to land and some shit won't land. But yeah. yeah, you're going to be all good. Like just, yeah, my main point is just like, just try embrace it for what it is. It's the yeah. first time you're trying it out. The next time you do it, it's going to be, be easier. Yeah. And he Actually, came, the second time you do it, they, the MC doesn't bring you on as this guy's new to comedy. Yeah. They're just like, here's this dude. Yeah, you're another <laughs> and comedian then, now. Then you die in the ass. <laughs> so he, he came up to me afterwards and he was just like, man, he's like, I really expected this bit to work. And it fell flat and he goes, and yeah, my other bits that I thought were mediocre did well. And I was like, yeah, but you were playing around with the guy in the front as well. Like, mm. so you had a little bit of natural crowd work. And the only other advice I gave him was to record it. And I just go, it's going to be painful to listen to yeah. yourself. And I was like, do it somewhere safe. <laughs> Get in your bedroom and listen to yourself where you can hate yourself in the room. Like, You're a fucking idiot. Don't do it on but, the train, right? Don't yeah. start yelling at yourself. Yeah. So... <laughs> That was my advice, and he did really well. Like he had a, he had a great set. Like to the That's point cool. where it looked like he'd been doing it for months. So yeah. I was just like, okay, you've got something natural in terms of like a stage presence, and you've yeah studied formulating how to write jokes. Man, there's nothing better because I've I've had it a few times now where I've brought people on for the first time for their gigs, and I feel like a proud dad. Like yeah. it's just when when someone gets up. And they, it's something that they really want to do well at. And they they get those sort of nervous laughs, but then they'll do a joke that gets a proper, like this isn't a sympathy applause, this isn't a sympathy laugh, this is a fucking cracking joke. You're yeah. Like, he got an applause person. break. Yeah. I was like, like whoa, like, dude. You got it, kid. Yeah. You're like, yes, yeah, son. I was like, yeah. I was just want to like yeah, ruffle you, their hair and shit. It's, yeah. It's so good to see. And that's like one of the best things about comedy as well is, most of the time you're on a level playing field with the comics. Like once you've yeah. done it, everyone wants you to do well. Like yeah. er, only a psychopath would be sitting there being like, oh, fuck, I hope Ben bombs tonight. Yeah. Like, only, only the bitter comedians are like that. Unless you really hate the person. But then still, like there's no benefit of being like, I hope this guy sucks. It's yeah. like, no, you want everyone to do well. Like yeah. you want that momentum of the crowd just to – so when you step on stage, everyone's done well and mm. – they're lubed up, they're warm, they're ready to go. Like, yeah. there's nothing better than that. Yeah. How do you like to write and formulate your jokes? Um, I don't really, I, I keep meaning to get disciplined about it, but I really don't. I'm not at all. Um, I My method is generally deadline-based. So I will, if I've got a gig coming up, I will generally go, oh, fuck, I've got to get, get something new going. Got to yeah, try okay. something new because where I am, so I'm in Coffs Harbour, um, and I there's two gigs a month that I put on there, and then there's a handful of gigs. Like I'll come down to Newcastle and do stuff here, but I'll have to drive like two hours to Ballina to do other gigs. Yeah. So if I'm driving that far, I'm gonna do new stuff. Like not, maybe not all of it new, but I'm like I'm not driving two hours to do 
like a five minute bit that I already know works because that's just it's a waste a of time, goddamn waste of petrol. So I I will always make sure there's something you're on trying a different tag or a different angle or something, and so I generally don't write unless I've got a show coming up. Okay, uh, but what I'll de- generally do is uh, just. If it's something springs to mind, I'm like, oh, yeah, that could be funny. I'll just write it in my phone notes. Yeah. And then when it comes time to jumping on stage, like, you know, the week of, I'll kind of flick through and go, all right, what was, where were those little sparks? And then I'll find that and go, okay, how, how can I flesh this out? And I'll either write it out by hand a bunch of different ways or I'll type it up. And that's generally how it works. Yeah, I find um, if I type in my phone, I can curate a bit, but then once yep. I write it on paper it's like i memorize it better yeah for sure there'll be certain little points that kind of come in and i'm the same like i was like i just live my life and then bits will come to Nobody me it comes to me it's just it's yeah just, uh, and like that's a bit of a way i'm merely a vessel for the <laughs> yeah it's just like it'll yeah the, the comedy gods will just fucking <laughs> yeah blow a load on my face and i'm like oh fucking, there we go have you ever tried because every time i try and like i this year i um wrote a new like hour yeah. And that involved me like having to sit down in the computer and just kind of like it's time to generate the comedy. And every time I've done that, it's just been really forced and I don't think I've ever come up with anything decent or anything that I've kept. I've how it's worked for me is I'll have um like that uh the golf bit for instance or things you notice. So I had this idea because ideas come to me in, in the shower, like at yeah. random, I'll, or at random points, I'll be driving and then something will just pop in my mind. But I had this one about how life changes once you get to thirty, and I was like, "What? Like, what is different about being 30? Yep. And how it started was I was at a pub and I saw a young bloke with his missus. He had a dangly earring and he was wearing a pearl necklace. And I just thought to myself, like me at eighteen, like if I told my mates that I want to. Pearl necklace. <laughs> yeah. Coming from an all-boys school, they'd yeah. be like, you, mate, <laughs> what the go fuck? And, go and join the Glen Waverley Hawks football club. Yeah, 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 exactly right. Go fucking pay homage to the captain. <laughs> so I was like, I was looking at him and I was like, and like initially I was angry at him. I was like, why the fuck are you wearing that? And then I was like, why the fuck does that bother me? <laughs> yeah. And then it made me think about this whole idea of how every generation – thinks that the new generation coming through is less masculine. They're not manly. Yeah. And then when you get to a certain age, like I love nineties hip hop. If like, if you couldn't I'm tell. Not, yeah. 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 So, and like, that's, I love that genre of music. Yep. And now new age rap doesn't do it for me. So now I'm falling. Damn in, kids. Now I'm falling in this trap. I'm like, that can auto tune rappers. Yeah. Mate, they don't make them like they used. To. And, yeah. then, and now I hate the fashion. And it's yep. just like, and then what else happens? Like, I don't know, your dick, your dick will have performance issues once you get <laughs> mid-30s or something. But I was like, maybe I can integrate that in earlier. So I have, I had a premise of like all this stuff that I had in my mind. And then we did a writing course at the Newcastle Comedy Club. And then I sat there and I was like, all right, well, let's put pen to paper and I can have a setup and a misdirect or mm. I can have like it working in threes. So be like, what are the three things that I've happened that I've noticed since yeah. turning 30 and and then structuring it out in a joke format I found has helped. But to sit there and just like, because I've done it a few times, like I've come here and I'm like, I'm just going to write some new bits and I can just sit around and yeah, I'm just trying to pull shit out of the air and it doesn't, it doesn't yeah, kind of work. Can't, I think it was um, Jerry Seinfeld was talking about how he has to write 
with a notepad, like you can't use a computer. Yeah. He, it feels like the little cursor on the screen's taunting him. Yeah, that's so right. He's blinking. It's What's like next? demanding. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's a, it's a tough thing to do. And it, it's what is so irritating about that is that when you, like, I don't know if you're trying to sort of make comedy like a career, but like I'm entertaining the idea of, you know, can we go full time with this? Can this be the sole source of income? Yeah. There's this fear of like, you can't decide when the comedy, like when a joke will come to you, you've, you've kind of just got to live your life and trust that it's going to happen. But if like, if you're going to do comedy as a career, especially in Australia, you've got to do, it feels like you've got to do a new hour every year for the festival run. And you're like, am I, am, am I going to get all these jokes? They're going to pop up in my head. Cause like, I know that I could sit down and, and discipline myself to write, but the way that, my writing works. It's like you got to wait for it to kind of pop up in your head. I think that eventually, once you're in that position of it is a full time source of income, there's less other distractions that we have yeah, or will true. have. Like you know, it's not like okay, I got to worry about what this customer needs for yeah, their, yeah. For their like you know, I'm not worried about you know radio gigs or anything. Yeah. It's just like you kind of wake up and you're like, all right, I'm going to deliberately find some funny today. Like, and I yeah. think that you can. I think eventually you'll just be able to focus energy on being like, show me the funny. And like when you go down the street, like I saw some women a few months ago, two old ducks, like about to get in a punch on at a cafe. And yeah, I was right. like, this is the best <laughs> over a greyhound not being on a lead. And they were like mid sixties. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, how, <laughs> how Stockton would this be if this erupted in a street fight yeah, right now? Right. I was like, this is, but I think that there, that, that's everywhere. Like that, that reminds me of an old joke. I, I can't remember who said it, but it, the dude was like, uh, you know, I've got, a, I've got a busy day tomorrow. I'm a comedian. I've got to wake up tomorrow and observe some shit. Like it's just, yeah, that's what they have to <laughs> no, do. Yeah. You just be walking around, just kind of taking stuff in. But I think that, I think as a comic, you'd be able, and especially cause you know how a basic joke structure works. Mm. And I think you could even, I think what it'd eventually get to is just like, I'm going to just challenge myself today. I'm going to a cafe and you take your laptop in there. And you just observe people coming in and then yeah. it's just like, okay, like I can make a joke about alternative milk. You know, we never had alternative yeah. milk as a kid, like when we we're growing up. What's yeah, an angle right. on this? You know, there's an angle in the angry businessman that, you know, yes, I would definitely want three shots in my coffee. There's the hipster that's working behind the thing who mm. who, who refers to full cream milk as cow milk. Like yeah. there'd be so many different ways that you could just sit there and just like, all right, this is my challenge for today. Yeah. Rugby league and and sports gives you jokes for days. Oh, they are they're the fucking content machine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, honestly, just they are ridiculous for the content that they put out. It's we're almost undeserving of <laughs> rugby league is a soap opera in itself. The gift just, that keeps on giving. That's with me and a few mates. They're like, it's the comedic gift that keeps on giving. Cause yeah. Because when you've run out of stuff, rugby league will circulate a headline. You go, yeah. here we go, boys. <laughs> yeah. Now we're back. Like, uh, yeah, Israel Flower a few years ago, and, yeah, it's it's good. So you started 10 years ago um, yeah. down in Melbourne? Yeah, I started in Melbourne, and I was down there for, uh, it was probably, I mean, like, I grew up there, but I did, I did comedy down there for maybe a year and a half. Yeah. And then uh, I was doing radio as well, um, which is, like, my day job, and I ended up getting a job in Darwin, so I moved up there to do uh, radio, and there's... Uh, there's a like a solid, really lovely, like just genuinely the greatest bunch of people in the Darwin comedy scene. But when I was there, I think there was again like two gigs a month. Yeah. So 
um, it's like I almost feel ashamed telling people, oh, yeah, I've been doing comedy 10 years and like because I'm like if I've been doing it 10 years, I should probably have more to show for it. But it's like depends on where you are. Yeah, like I want I'm like you go to Brisbane and stuff. Like I did some gigs up there earlier this year, and there's people doing like three gigs a night who are improving so much. Every time I, I like they pop up on social media, they're just like they're jumping leaps ahead of like so many other people I know. And so I'm like I kind of got to make amends with the fact that I'm doing less gigs, but I'm still kind of getting there in my own pace. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like I did, I did some gigs in Darwin, um, where, which was really fun. And then I moved to Coffs Harbour uh, for radio again, and there was nothing. So I was having to go to Lismore and stuff for gigs, and then I ended up just starting them out of frustration. I was like, "Fuck it, I'll, I'll, I'll put just the gig run on. it." And I, it's that kind of thing of um, you kind of trust if you build it, they will come. I didn't know, like I wanted to start doing open mics so that I could try new stuff. And I don't know if there's anybody else who is going to get up on stage. So I'm going <laughs> to just be the I, only guy there. I ended up just kind of go, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to put on a show. And if I need to do an hour, I need to do an hour. Yeah. You know, and if that just, if it's just every month, I die in the ass for an hour, that's fine. That's what I like. I'd rather do that than do nothing. Okay. And then, yeah, I mean, once I said there's comedy happening, who wants to do something? All the guys from the Northern Rivers that I gig with were like, we'll be down there. Excellent. There was a guy uh, who I used to gig with in Darwin who was like, dude, I just moved to Armadale. Like I'm, you know. Yeah. Fewer, Four and, hours or so away. I was, I think it's like an hour or hour and a half maybe. Like yeah. I'll, any gig you you put on, I'll be there. And like people just pop up. People have come out of the woodwork and just kind of gone, yeah, I'll, I'll jump up. And now, yeah, it's. Now you've got, yeah, Coffs Comedy is, is starting to kind of. Yeah. It's starting to organically grow. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's been like. I think my problem is that I never want to do something badly. Like I want to, if I do something, I've got such a high expectation of myself. That's like me. And you can't, that's, it's this, it's so crippling when you try and set out to do something perfectly the first time. Like you've got to give yourself permission to just be awful at it. Yeah. And I'm like, I look back at the, the early gigs we did and they were great, but they had so many flaws that if that happened now, I, I'd, I'd be like, well, this isn't good enough. Yeah, but you can't. You're gonna be like, you can't get up and just knock it out of the fucking park. Exactly right. Yeah, like, you're, like your first time on stage. If you tried doing those jokes again, they probably would not work, and you probably wouldn't even f- think they were good enough to your standard of doing. But you got to do the shit jokes. Yeah, you got to run a shit night. You got to have like, like a night where, you know, half the acts don't turn up, or you forget to do something, or you know, the and, microphone stops working. And and, and comedians are flakes. Like. <sighs> I, I was saying to my to my partner earlier in the week, and I was like, one thing I never do, I never be a manager of comedians, mm. because inherently we want fun and we want to go where the fun goes. Yeah, and it's just like if something fun and impulsive takes us somewhere else, it's just like oh, you just apologize for I, not doing. I'm convinced every comedian has ADD. Yeah, they got, got it. to. Like yeah. it's just because it's such a a rush of of energy. You're just drawn to it. Yeah, I think I think I I 100 percent agree because every good comic that I'm thinking of all has yeah. like same characteristics of it's just like no, like look yeah. at me. Like, yeah, yeah. No, it's um. So yeah, what I mean, what's your background like? Do you talk about your background on the podcast? Yeah, so or? I I have a few times. So started in Canada. Um, I was working at a at a 
craft beer place and they right. had an open mic night on. And Whereabouts in Canada? Vancouver. Nice. Yeah. I, I lived there for a little bit. Um, yeah, in Vancouver? Uh, yeah. So I lived there, I, was, I think it was like two or three months. Yeah, sick. Like a snow season. Yeah, cool. Yeah, Canada's awesome. Canada was good. So, yeah, that was 2015 that I was there. And, yeah, basically lost a bet to an Irish guy because afterwards I made a bunch of comedians laugh. You had I to told, suck his penis, didn't you? I had to <laughs> suck him off in front of the boys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Admittedly, I deliberately lost the bet. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it was just uh, – so, yeah, I just I told them a yarn and they made everyone laugh. And he was like, mate, you got to do that next week. And I was like – but I was just looking at comedy completely different. I was like, what you do and – me telling a funny yarn is completely different. Yeah. And he's like, no, because there's so many styles of comedy. Like, storytelling is yeah a form of comedy. So, yeah, the next week I went up and it wasn't till, uh 2018 that I made a switch when I was just like, I'm doing a job that fucking sucks. Drama was my favourite sc- subject at school and I love visual art as well. Yeah, right. So somewhere after school I lost creative outlets of doing – visual art, dramatic art, got into producing music with a friend and really loved that creative outlet but didn't like the performance aspect of DJing in clubs. Like I just – Yeah. It's a bit of a wank to be honest. Not and a fan it, of vodka Red Bulls or something? <laughs> <laughs> just like – like I always loved the creative aspect of producing but hated telling people like, yeah, I like – I DJ as well. Like it was just. There's too much attached to it. Or? Yeah. And it was just like, at the, I felt like it, it kind of like podcasting now. Everyone seems to have a podcast. Yeah. At the time, everyone seemed to have a passion for being a DJ because you're 21. Like you just started going to clubs and yeah. you've got a MacBook that can hook up to a machine that syncs songs automatically. So you just need to turn a few knobs and have basic understanding of phasing one song into the other. And it's not too hard realistically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it wasn't the creative outlet that I wanted. So I was working some shitty jobs and I was just like, I missed that creative outlet. And then at one point I was like, I'm just going to see if there's a comedy scene in Canberra. And there used to be this thing called Green Faces and couldn't find anything. And then one day I just jumped on Facebook and had a little look around and there was a Canberra Comedy Collective or something like that. Yep. Joined the Facebook group and just started watching when these shows had come up and I was like, I'm going to go and scope a show out and just be an observer yep. and see what the talent level's like and watch one show and saw four good comics and the rest of them eat shit. And I was like, well, I'm not going to be the best, but yeah. hopefully I'm not going to be the worst. Yeah. And It's and encouraging, isn't it? You watch somebody die. Like the amount of gigs I saw before I stepped on stage that were excruciating. Like it was those nights where, you know, the MC didn't know what they were doing. Half the acts were just, they were trying new gear or they were complete lunatics. You know, when you have yeah. those open mics where it's just <laughs> it's fucking nutbag off the streets. Like, you mean people will allow me to talk into a microphone? I can have their attention? Sure. My yeah. thoughts will be heard finally. And they just, and yeah, you, you kind of, you look at that and going, how dare you have the confidence to do something that I'm scared of doing? Like yeah. When you're, yeah, it's almost inspiring in a weird way. And I think for me, having a drama background was enough for me to be like, I've performed in front of people like, yeah. and I know I can make people laugh. My The speech that I did for to become a captain at school was all comedy-based. So I was just reading off a bit of paper. So I was yeah, just like, right. even if I don't do five minutes, if I can just remember some stuff, like I'll just, I'll just go and 
I think I got heckled like the first time that I did it. <laughs> just started <laughs> fucking ranting at someone like an Conor McGregor <laughs> accent. And it was really weird because someone filmed that and then that got put on Facebook somewhere. And yeah, like one of the, someone was like, oh, I've seen you do stand up before. And I was like, oh, cool. Like whereabouts? And they're like, oh, you were impersonating Conor McGregor. And I was like, oh, bro, you saw, <laughs> you saw my first ever set. And I was like, fuck, don't hold me to that. <laughs> That's like the, the, the thing when you start comedy and you tell your mates. Yeah, it's and what happens is they come to your like one of your first ten gigs. Yeah. Like, oh well, you know, we'll go and see Brad. He's, he's giving comedy a go, and they kind of they watch you and they're like, "Well, this is awkward. This isn't." Yeah, this we isn't tell him and he sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but but you, they don't say anything. Like, yeah, cool. But then they just don't come to any other gigs. Yeah. And you're five years into it at at a certain point, and you're you've gotten better, and you're crushing, and you're doing well, and in their mind. You're still doing that five minutes that was awful. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh yeah, Brad's you know, he's doing he's still doing comedy it, for some reason." Yeah, <laughs> he's still. <laughs> it's so funny. Like I've told the yarn on the podcast before, but there was a couple of people from the pub that I used to work at down the road, and one day they're like, "Oh, like when are you doing comedy again?" I'm like, "Oh, most Tuesdays I'll be there." So a few of them, like after I left, were like, "Hey, let's surprise him and yeah. and go watch." So they've rocked up with a case of piss. Like they bought their own beer to the to the <laughs> club. The boys like, what are you doing? And then they're like, oh, Brad said we could bring our own beer. And I was like, my God, I did not say any of that. And I was like, what are you talking about? So <laughs> then I'm like, they're like, oh, so what do you got for us, mate? And I was just like, okay, just take a seat, like wherever you want. But I was like, just don't sit right up the front because I talk to the talk to the crowd. They were so drunk. Like the that the woman of one of the guys there, you know, comedians will ask her like a question. They're like, "Oh, so what's with the weather recently?" And she's like, "Oh, it's been so bad. Like, <laughs> it's been raining nonstop, and they're just in the front row, just constantly interrupting yeah, the show." Yeah, like, it's a rhetorical question. I'm yeah. just trying to like, yeah, I'm doing so a bit of pitter patter here. Everybody bombed because you're not getting into any flow of of the show. Like, no jokes are getting any momentum. And it's, it's just, your mates, that, and they're my mates. And then, yeah, like get invited up and so they're dead quiet for my bit. And I'm like, well, now this is awkward because the room just doesn't like the, there's no cohesion in the audience. Yeah. And I bombed and I was like, now I'm bombing right in front of like people that I know. Yeah, and I was oh, like, it's the worst was, bomb. Oh, it's dude. And I was like, yeah, full like back sweat. And I was like, oh, this is, and it was just infuriating. But it was infuriating, like, for the other comics as well because I was yeah. like, now this is a representation of me. This is fucked. And, yeah, I saw them at the pub, like, the other night and they're like, oh, we've got the got the local comedian in the house. Yeah. And, like, they were doing raffles and I was like, oh, no. And he's just like, hey, mate, you want to spit us a joke, eh? And I was like, no, dude, I'm all good. I'm not going to tell a joke in the pub. <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, you can catch Brad every Tuesday night at the Newcastle Comedy Club. Trust me, it's a really good night. And like, I could, <laughs> he was fucking with me. And I was like, cut, I'm good. Trust me. I'm better than what you're fucking giving me credit for. And it's just. It's yeah. rough. When, as, yeah, when you find out mates are coming to the gig, when someone you know is coming to it, like an open mic. Yeah. It's, it, it's almost infuriating because you, you're like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing this one to try stuff. I'm not. This isn't my best. I don't want anybody walking around thinking this at me and my best. Yeah. If you want to come to a show, come to, you know, when I do a, a festival show, like buy tickets to that when they're thirty bucks. Don't come to the free one, you asshole. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, like I've got. So uh, in my day job, we got a new general manager recently, 
who's like trying to get like right into you know getting to know everybody he got wind of like i do comedy and he's like you're emceeing the the next uh gig at coughs you know we'll get it we'll get everybody down for the gig and i'm like that's great i love that you're supporting me but fucking now i feel like i've got to because they're not going to come to the next one they're not going to like no. this is going to be their takeaway so you're like i've got to do well at this when i want to just get up and fuck around yeah, and it's also annoying that, like, you've got someone that's, like, an outside influence of what you do in your normal day-to-day life. Yeah. Now coming into your comedy world, you're like, no, this is my, like, this is my sh- yeah. my thing. Like, you don't need to come. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, I had the same, like, with, I was at in Melbourne a few weeks ago, and one of my bosses, we were sitting at this massive table, and, like, it was all the bosses kind of at one end and senior management, and then everyone that was, like, you know, just did different roles down the end of the table I was at. And I had like, you know how like some people have a really infectious laugh? There was two girls sitting next to each other that just had this infectious laugh. Yeah. So then like anything I was saying was just like these two were feeding off each other that made everyone laugh. And the people at the other end of the table like, what the fuck's going on down there? Yeah. And one of my managers knows that I do comedy and he's like, oh, that's Brad. He's a stand-up comedian. He's just making them laugh. Then all the management team's like, he does comedy. Shit. So then, like, my boss was like, I need, like, you know, we spent a few days together. She's like, why didn't you tell me that you do comedy? And I was like. Because I want to keep my job. Because I want to keep my job. <laughs> like, it's literally what I said. I was like, my sense of humor is not, would not fly here. And she's yeah. like, oh, you're making everyone laugh. And I'm like, I'm being politically incorrect. And yeah. like, you know, if I started talking about, I don't know, fucking sucking dudes off at the yeah. on a mad Monday in front of you like we're driving around the car so yeah so you see the guys sucking each other off you'd be like what the fuck's wrong with this I'm, I'm having fun up there because there's no HR rep up this end of yeah, the table it was yeah. exactly that and then yeah like one of the marketing managers is like oh he's like bro can I have a chat to you and I was like yeah he's like man I didn't know you do comedy he's like I fucking love comedy and then like the, his whole outlook on me just shifted as a person he's like oh that guy's a mad cunt and I was yeah. like fuck yeah I just I didn't want him to know but yeah, I even my um my uh extended family, like my missus and all her her um like brothers and sister, they're really supportive of it. And when I got the gig at the Canberra Comedy Festival, they're like, Oh, we wanna we wanna come and, and watch and, yeah. and and you know, the mum wanted to come and I was just like, Oh no and I was yeah. like I was like, no, like fuck, like I love you guys, but for the love of God, I'm like, just chill, like don't come and I was just like you're just going to see something that's like not bad, but I was just like, I don't know. Like it's yeah. just, I, it's, you, you know, you're being an extreme version. You can be an extreme version yeah. of something that you're not. And, you know, if I have like a disrespectful joke here or there, I'm like, ah, fuck. Like I don't want them to think think that. And Well, I think what it is is so much of the stuff that we say on stage is stuff that we can't we feel like we can't say off stage. You know 100%. what I mean? Like it, there's a kind of, there's a certain permission granted when you're on stage with a microphone, you're being cheeky. Yeah. And people in the crowd don't think anything of it. Like if you make a joke about like, you know, sticking 13 Frankfurts up your ass, like just as a joke, you're like, it's a punchline. It's kind of forgotten. Nobody in the crowd walks away thinking that of you, but then your mates kind of go, Oh, is that, like how much of that is you compared to like how much are you hiding when we're off stage, and you so you don't, yeah you you it's, it it kind of throws you off because you want to be free on stage yeah but then you're worried about like there's gonna be the day after 
Yeah, is there going to be judgment, judgment yeah, afterwards? Like, like, are you going to, you know, is my butt plug bit going to follow me to the office? Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. And you're like, it's just, it's like, it's just a butt plug joke. It's just, yeah. a, it's a, it's a nothing. It, it like, it warms the crowd up or whatever. And at the time, like, I had bits about, you know, walking into my roommate fucking a flashlight and yeah, all this kind of just yeah. dumb boy humor that I was like, my mother in law is not going to find a twenty year old laying on his bed fucking a flashlight funny. Yeah. I was like, the brothers will think that it's funny because they're just like, <laughs> yeah. what kind of 20-year-old has yeah. a flashlight? That's fucking weird. Yeah. But, like, I was like, oh, man. And, you know, the limited amount of material that I had, I was like, I, I've i got 20 minutes. And you can't I was like, swap it out. I can't swap it out. Yeah. And I was just like, at the time, I was like, the camera comedy festival, like, this is the biggest show of my life. <laughs> I was like, I can't have you coming to that. And my dad wanted to watch it. And even my dad, who was here last week, was like, oh, can I come watch you do do some comedy? And I was like, mate, it's five minutes that w- that I'm doing both nights. And I was like, probably not worth it. Yeah. And Talk I was like, out of it. Yeah. yeah, I was like, we'll go over there. I'm like, you love football. You want to watch the footy. So there's no point watching me for five minutes. You have yeah. to pay entry 20 bucks or whatever for then us to just leave straight afterwards so we can come and watch the footy. I was like, when I'm doing an actual showcase. Yeah. Save oh, save your support because it's like it's it is limited to and which is fair because like the amount of times I got I got heaps of creative friends who like they've always got stuff going on and you're like I'm I can't go to all of it but there will be a point where there's like it, it, this is the the one and I'll go to that one yeah I'm not like we'll save it and then I'll go and support you and then we can, then we can just carry on being friends you yeah know? <laughs> you're like it's you kind of kind of gotta keep it up your sleeve it's um yeah it's definitely interesting. Um, we might take a quick break and we'll be back after this. And we're back. I ask every comedian if you have a bomb that still haunts you <laughs> or one that just stands out more um, than the others. Uh, not I've – cert- I've certainly bombed hard plenty of times. Uh, one that actually I do remember because it actually happened in Newcastle. And I think it must have been – Last year, uh, and uh, where were you? Luke Dillon was there as well. Oh yeah, lovely. We, I, I I actually talked to him about it yesterday, which is why it's so fresh in my mind. Because I was like, last time I saw you, we all died in the ass at the same gig. Like it was so bad. It was um. Was it at the Kent Hotel? No, no. It, it was at I don't know the I can't remember the venue, but it was for a uh, a soccer club end of season function. And they got comedians, eh? They wanted a comedian. Well, I don't think they wanted a comedian or comedians. I think they wanted strippers. I think they probably would have rather <laughs> suck each other off than have the comedians. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. It, yeah, it was. It was somebody, someone's idea, and I guess I. I think when people kind of go, "Oh, let's book some comedians," it'd be really good, and then they don't think anything else of it. They just expect like Dave Hughes to turn up and just murder, roast them, and you know. Like, but it, it, it didn't happen that way. They got, you know, a handful of comedians who were available to come along on, on that Friday night for that price. Um, but it was like everything at the gig was working against us. Like there was no stage. Uh, the full RSL style fluorescent lights were on in the uh, whole room. Yeah. Uh, the chairs weren't set up properly. We, uh, the MC got there and asked for a microphone. And the dude at the bar was like, like scoffed. He was just like, what are you, 
you're just being precious now, aren't you, mate? A bunch of divas. You want a fucking microphone, do you? To comedy gig, all right. And so like, he went out the back and found the one that they do for like the chook raffle. Yeah. Over the overhead thing. So it was like all the jokes were coming out like, <laughs> so you couldn't deliver anything. No. <laughs> Fuck. And it was bright. It was so brightly lit. And I, th- I s- the, the MC got up and he was trying so hard. Like, you know, those, you ever seen an MC just eat shit for like 10 minutes and they just don't let it stop them? Like yeah. they're just, it's so inspiring just watching somebody tell all these jokes, get nothing and go, you guys are great. This And just keep that energy. You're like, fuck, I couldn't do that. I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's yeah. you. And then I got up first and I did like, I did all the stuff that normally works and it was done to complete silence. Like people were just staring at each other bored. There was like a, one of the guys brought his girlfriend and his girlfriend was just like, I reckon they broke up just based on that gig. Yeah. They were just looking so unhappy. And I think um, Elliot, I forget his last name, Elliot. Stewart? Ron? Stewart, Elliot Stewart. Yeah. He got up and um, he was like, he was doing his stuff. It wasn't working. And then he started just kind of going like, oh, you guys are hating this. You should, like, I think he says it like, you guys can probably just bash me later if you want to. And that got a laugh. And like, like they started laughing at that. And then he kind of got them a bit warmed up. And then he went into more material and they str- the second he started doing material again, they're like, "This is, this isn't what we want." Yeah, we want like we want somebody to roast us. It's really I've been in crowds. Oh, sorry, I've performed in front of crowds that just literally wanted to be roasted. Yeah, it's it weird. It was bizarre. Ooh, you, like you want to just like slap you across the face or something? Yeah, That's like I was like I was doing bits. None of it was working, and yeah. I was like, you know what? Fuck this dude, and just started picking on this guy. Yeah, and just like roasted him and all his friends. Just thought it was funny as fuck. And yeah. Then, Roasted like the table next to him. I'm like, all right, now they're warmed up, and then tried another bit, and they didn't yeah. want it. I was like, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah. Like, it's so weird. And it was, I, re- I remember going into it because the, the whole thing started. And I'm like, okay, all the lights are on. This is going to be a bit of a rough one. That's fine. And then the MC got up, and, and yeah, he did his stuff. And I was, it was such a lesson for me because I was sitting there before, waiting to go and going, yeah, he's struggling, but I'm going to do all right. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like no, dude. How good's that confidence? Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I got no, nah, I got this. They'll, yeah. they'll, His like, bits are shit. That's why they're not and, going well. Yeah. And you, you come off, you're like, nah, dude. Like, yeah, it was a, it was gonna be a rough one. Yeah, um, it, it's funny when you come off and like the comedians. Like, I I remember bombing so bad one time and just being like, just embarrassed. And yeah, yeah. one of the comedians in Cambridge came up and just sat there, arm on my shoulder, was like, <laughs> it's all right, buddy. This happens to all of us. <laughs> Fuck. It's fun. It's weird, isn't it? When you like everybody, there, there's a kind of people will lie to you when you get off stage. Like it, you, you know when you've had a bad one. Oh, it's yeah. undeniable. And you, it's the you wor- feel it. You can people say, "Oh, good set," and you're like, "Don't lie to me." Yeah. You, can't. Like, you, fu- you know when you've had a good one. You know it's you come off stage fucking floaty. You can like, you can, yeah, you know, float home. But yeah, we're. No one will really acknowledge when you've had a rough one. Like, no, and it's like, it's almost taboo. And it, I get that people are trying to be polite. But I remember a mate of mine got pulled up because he said, like he, he tried to console somebody who had a bad gig and he's gone, oh yeah, you know, that was a bit rough. And everybody around is like, dude, you can't say, like, come on. We like, we were all there. Yeah. You know what happened. We all saw it. It's not helping him by telling him that was good. That's it's like training a dog. Like if it's shit on the couch, you don't give it a treat. You know, yeah. 
I'm glad you did a poo. I'm glad you went number two. Just yeah. not there. Did, did poopsies? Yeah, it's um. What's yours? It's your worst. Oh, gig? I had a. F- I ha- I've had. I've bombed plenty as well. I've had some memorable ones. One was at a, at a club in Canberra. I think it could have been the Turkish club, possibly. Mm. But this bloke had put on a night where he got. He wanted to do music and he wanted to do comedy, and I was too early on to realize that that's a fucking terrible worst. idea. So there was a band that opened up. I think I was the first act that was on. They're like, all right, make some noise for your first comedian of the night. It's Bradley Bishop. And then everyone gave a round of applause. But the band is still on stage, like, unpacking. So, like, the guy's, like, taking his guitar out and stuff. So then I'm, like, just standing there awkwardly while there's three musicians, like, putting their guitars and stuff away. And I'm like... Ah, uh, you fellas need a hand. <laughs> like, yeah. And they were just looking at me like, what the fuck? And there was little kids running around and one little kid had earmuffs on. And I probably had about seven minutes of material. Probably three minutes of it was good. Yeah, right. And this kid had earmuffs on. I was like, ah, oh, whoever put earmuffs on the kid is the smartest person in the room. That got a mild like, huh? And it, it got what it deserved because yeah. it wasn't funny. And I was like, okay. All right, straight into dick bits and just like <laughs> started just telling telling my bits and they were it was just one after the other of just bomb 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 and then I think I was like booked for like 7 minutes and I think I remember I did like 5 and I was like fucking I'm out of here dude yeah. and yeah another another bad one I've had was at uh there's this place called Young and Friskies in Canberra which is a chicken shop yeah so people weren't there for comedy it was just an open mic night that it happened my partner at the time lived just up the road so i was like this is perfect i can do comedy and then go up to her house and it was just bad like i had i had bits about i had a meth bit and like i thought it would be funny if i went and bought saddie bags and <laughs> scooped like casket sugar in there and like was Throwing like fake Prop comedy, throwing yeah, <laughs> fake packets of meth at people, and honestly, there's people there just trying to eat a chicken burger and get a beer, and they're like, "What in the fuck is? Who is this lunatic?" You're a story to that, like they, yeah, they'll like, they'll yeah. be like, "Remember that guy?" When three we years later, yeah. they'll be like, "You remember that?" They're like, "Yeah, fucking." <laughs> the, the worst part was, it was like a wireless mic, so like me just early on, full of confidence, just yeah. thinking, "All right, this meth bit's hilarious." I can walk through the crowd and crack funnies. So I was, yeah, walking through the crowd thinking I was the man and nothing was, like, really going well. And then I was like, well, I'm just going to start insulting people and just, like, saying how meth could cheer them up. Because I had, like, 150 packets of this fake meth. And I remember, like, there was this one... Did you make 150? He's like, I'm, I'm going to need more because obviously I'm going to do this again. Yeah. <laughs> In my mind, dude, I was like, this bit is bulletproof. Like, it, won't, it there's no way it won't work. And so, <laughs> Russ is blown up. <laughs> Even Russ is like, yeah, the meth yeah, bit. The I, remember, <laughs> I was there. <laughs> Russ the Red Dog, not very happy with that. And, um, yeah, so I thought that this bit was hilarious, right? And I was like, oh, at least I can crowd work this bit. So... You know, you look like you're in a sexist relationship. Meth will fix that. And, yeah, it was just picking on this dude and throwing meth at him. And um, afterwards, like, it didn't go well. (laughs) And at the end of the night, like, I noticed this table had stuck around. So I was like, good sports for hanging around. Yeah. 
they didn't hang around for the comedy show. They hung around because he wanted to talk to me. And he had um, like a few of my sample packs of meth and came up to me. He's like, I just want to let you know that I work very closely with the AFP. <laughs> and he's like, we're going to be, we're going to be looking into this. And I was like, are you kidding me? Cunt? <laughs> and then I thought like how fucking funny it would be if this guy walked into like, if he just like gets to, to the office on Monday, he's like, Hey boss, you got a minute? It's about the meth trade. We can't quite get our hands on. He's like, I think I figured it out. I cracked it. Yeah. Some comedian running around throwing out bags of meth to people. We don't know how he makes a profit. The wiretaps, we didn't need them, mate. We just need to go to more open mic nights. We need to get to Young and Frisky's. There's <laughs> something in the chicken and they're throwing out meth there. So, yeah, that's that's a few that have that have stuck out as, as recent ones. I didn't do great at the Kent the last time I was there either. What's the Kent? What's the, so Because before the comedy club came along in, in Yui, there was a few other nights that were running, weren't there? Yeah, so there's like there's the Stag and Hunter, which is good. Yep. Um, there's Kent Comedy, which has all of what you could kind of want in a bar gig yep. for it to be good. So it's an upstairs location. There's a bar. There's a little area where there's comedy. But back to what we were saying before, like the role of the MC is just so important in that room because those people that were there were there to drink and hang out. They had no idea that comedy was on. Then they've come upstairs and they're like, we'll watch it. And then it turned into like a hostage situation where they're like, we didn't, yeah. we don't want to be here. We were curious before. Now we want to. Now leave. we're, yeah, yeah. Now we feel like we're stuck here. Yeah. And yeah, the com- the comedian who was hosting the night just did absolutely no favors. Of started with twenty minutes of material just up top, and was like, "I'm going to Edinburgh. I'm, know, gonna, in, I'm running this days. shit." Yeah. So he's just like, at the end of the day, it's just practice for me. Yeah. But just bombed, just bombed, and then like. Yeah, like after every bit that didn't go, he's like, ha, ah, all right, yeah, okay, well, not, yeah. In, not into monkeys, I see. Yeah, and then... Fuck. And the MC running new gear. And it was rough. shit. And then, like, you know, there was an intellectually disabled person in the front row. And so then the, and then he was like, oh, so what would you give Ben's set out of five? And she's like, what? And he's like, out of five, what would you give it? And she's like, what do you mean? And he's like, <laughs> oh, like on a scale of one to five. And she's like, I don't understand. And he's like, oh, okay, five is really good, one's not so good. What would you give that person? Just move on. Yeah. Move on. Move on. You can move on. So you'd think after the first time, I'm not going to go back to this intellectually disabled person. And then, yeah, he just kept doing that. So then after every set, so what would you give them? And then it was fucked. And then he'd do, which is something that I hate seeing MCs. All right, guys, so we're going to have a big round of applause for your next tack. So we'll start building it up on the left side all the way through the right side and then, like, everyone's applauding at their maximum capacity of that. And he goes, okay, that's a good practice. Oh. Now we're going to do it again. And at that point, you're like, cunt, I don't want to clap three we're times not, for the same bloke. Just We're not circus seals. Yeah, yeah you can't. bring him to circus seals. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> like, because you can't. Because I, I, I get the sentiment of, like, you want to – kind of have the crowd at your whim of like yeah. well, clap now. But when a room where there's only so much energy, yeah. when they're already like, we're doing you a favor by staying here. It was exactly that. You don't milk that. Like you can't, you recognize that they've got one applause break in them and you bring the comedian onto that. Yeah. And you, yeah. And then he was just like, he was a bit between every bit. So no matter what you told a joke about, whatever got a little bit of a pop, 
like, you know, a fishing trip with the boys. And then, yeah. then he's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm so good at comedy that I'm going to come up with a brand new fisherman bit. It's going to come and riff. Right. And just yeah. riff and then just bomb, bomb, bomb. So who's ready for your next comedian yeah. to bring the energy up? And oh, you're like, I hate that so much. you're just sitting there going, what the fuck is going on? And that's, that's like the, that's what I, I meant by like, there's so many people who can do well performing a set, but when it's emceeing, like is it, when you're the MC, you can't, it's not about you at all. That's like where you everyone, have to do all the work, but you can't take the credit. And that's where everyone, I think when they start emceeing falls into the trap. And we've all been to a room where people are like, I'm the comedian. This is my room. Yeah. I'm the MC. I'm the star of the show. Everyone yeah. else is just lucky that they get to do five minutes between me being a genius. And yeah. it's just like, cause it is, it's that it's the next, like you get, you get to do spots and you, you get those five minutes and then mate, you might get a 10 minute spot or something, but then to be asked to MC and it's generally the first time a comedian will get paid for doing stuff. You're like, Oh, I'm yeah. This I'm is, the big dog. I'm better than them. <laughs> and you, yeah, they like, I've, I've seen so many people get up uh, as the MC and they'll do 10 minutes and they'll crush and they have the whole crowd going. They're like, yeah, this is great. And then they're like, oh, okay, uh, time to bring on your first act. And they're like, oh, shit, I've got to go find a piece of paper to, f- to find out who it is. And you're like, straight away, Bang. you've forgotten what job you're doing. Like, you're not there to do your material. You're there to bring on that first comedian. All you need to do is remember their name. You don't need to remember the order. Yeah. You can check who's next when you're off stage. But it's like, just know the first person you're introducing because the last thing you want to do is get them all ready to go and then go, Oh yeah, I guess there's some other people here as well. They matter, yeah. and it's you give it up for your first act. It's uh, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna run off and check the list. Yeah, it's <laughs> oh, he's a great mate of mine. I'm just uh, and oh, <laughs> is he here? That's <laughs> the that's the funniest love when MC. He's a really good friend. Uh, he's a really funny guy, <laughs> and it's just like give it up for this guy. And you're like, dude, I've <laughs> never met, and he's like, hey, this guy's one of my best friends. <laughs> yeah, it's the funniest when someone introduces him. I'm like, he's a great comedian. He's one of my good friends. Working really hard and scene. Please make him feel welcome. And then, like, they bomb. And you can tell that the MC is just like, uh, so, yeah, me and Frank aren't really friends. Uh, <laughs> I barely know I mispronounced guy. his last name. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. So we have a little segment on here that we call the Sunday Roast. So every week we like to roast some people. Yep. And, uh, yeah, let's kick it off. The Sunday Roast. So bad time when you've just taken a sip. But uh, <laughs> uh, so man is planning his dream wedding with Ragdoll after starting a family together. So if you guys are interested in seeing what this Ragdoll looks like, we'll describe it a little bit. But I think it's best if you go to the Lad Bible and just type in, or if you just go to Google and type in, man is planning his dream wedding with Ragdoll after starting family together. Mate, how would you describe his new ragdoll wife over here? Um, surprisingly lifelike, to be perfectly honest with you. When you first talked about this, I was imagining um, like a like one of those toys that your nan will knit for yeah, you. Yeah, you know? back in the day. But this is like I've I've seen Instagram filters that do a worse job. Of this. <laughs> <laughs> to de- to describe it, it, I honestly it took me a second to go. Okay, which one of these is the fake one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she's got like the influencer lips and she's got like one blown out Coke nostril that she's got. Did She looks like if Kim Kardashian got turned into Team America World Police puppet, that's what she looks like. 
Um, so the article reads, a bloke who grew fed up of being single has now started a family with a rag doll, and he says he's planning his dream wedding. Fair enough. You can see them together here. So here's the photo. The man who documents his unconventional relationship on TikTok under the handle MontBK5959 says he's spent years single before finding love with the doll he's called Natalia. According to his clips, the pair have recently celebrated their one-year anniversary. Oh, well, good for them. Good That's for them a, staying it's, together. A, it's a good milestone. It's effort on both sides. And so then they slate him here. It says, suppose it's quite hard to fall out when you only have one of you who can communicate. <laughs> um, I, mean, well, I mean, you show me a conventional relationship, okay? What is conventional these days anyway? Oh, dude, uh, it's, it's so funny because to me, this is like the black and gold version of like a fucking sex doll. You know what I mean? Like he didn't want to spend the $5,000 on a sex doll, so he's like, I'll just make one. And uh, Did he make this himself? I think he's made this, yeah. Well, how is a handy person such as himself having trouble with love? That's what I want to know. I don't – so, like, there, there's a lot of confusion that goes into multiple levels of this. Like, did you ever have a family pet or a cousin's family pet? For instance, my, my cousin had this dog called Sammy, mm. and it was little foxy cross rat. Right. And it had this, my, my cousins loved horses growing up, so they had like a soft plush toy horse. And Sammy used to fucking yeah. rail this thing whenever yeah. he could <laughs> to the point where like it just became comically amusing to watch him fucking try root this stuffed horse. It was crusty. <laughs> it was gross. Imagine I mean, how bad this dude's fucking sex doll or rag doll must be like. He has sex with it. He, we know he has sex. Come on. it's A hundred percent he does. And like we've all had a mate who's jerked off into a sock and it's just gotten crusty. <laughs> like, <laughs> Imagine how. Sure, the face is realistic, but is it machine washable? That's oh, the real That's question. what we want to know. Is she, is she a tumble dry? Like are you taking her down to the fucking, <laughs> down to the local. Uh, I, I can see my neighbor's clothesline from over my fence. Could oh. you imagine just seeing this come out like every Sunday morning, yeah. just fresh out of the dro- of the washing and machine. And the washing machine just hanging up. Just hanging up. Natalia again. Yeah, it's been a f- Get the kids inside. Week. Get the kids inside before they're scarred. We don't <laughs> af- can't afford therapy. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I can barely keep it in my pants around her. She's a hornback. This, oh, man, this is... And, like, the thing is, like, he's not the ugliest dude that I've ever seen. Like, there's not many, more, there's not many more photos of him. But it made me think, right, I was like, surely... If he's into that, there's a woman out there for everyone. Which brings me to this next woman here who has also created a husband that's a ragdoll and now has a ragdoll kid. So this lady is from... Where is this bitch from? She's in a wedding dress. Okay. So, yeah. So woman uh, married a ragdoll and now has a baby. Wait, why is she in uh, hospital scrubs? So she... (laughs) She's in hospital. This is the funniest photo. She's in hospital scrubs holding a baby like it, like they've actually given birth to it. You know how like you see all the photos on Instagram when your friends had a baby and they have to be in the scrubs from when they've cut the umbilical cord and all that. She's just standing there, but have a go at like her husband's face here with uh, with the with the eyebrows. The he's got the, the mustache. Okay, the baby's got the exact same. Facial features, except he's, he's got a monobrow. He's, he's got his eyes, to be fair. <laughs> he's got his eyes. So whoever's designed this, so uh, this woman, her name is uh, Mary Vone. 
Mervyn Rocha Morales. Morales. What country is this? Uh, says that she's found her soulmate in the life-size doll she calls her husband. The 37-year-old from Brazil said her mum made her the rag doll named Marcelo after she complained about being single and having no one to dance with. Little did she realise that this would be love at first sight. <laughs> and a few months after dating, she then fell pregnant. All right, mate. So okay, this is um, the rag doll. Here is has. Can I recommend uh, she reinstalled The Sims on her computer and just dude? It it is. If you had told me that there's one person out there that <laughs> had that has like a relationship with a rag doll, we'd assume that it'd be the horny dude that's just like an incel. Yeah, for a woman like, <laughs> and she's not hideous. Like, granted, she's not the prettiest woman, but. There's far worse out there that you see down at the shops in fucking oodies and pajamas and she, Ugg boots smoking durries outside the IGA. She must have the shittest personality. It's, it's got to be. Yeah, these these people like. <laughs> so are we going to get these two together? Like, the, I, that's. I think that we should start like a a new show instead of like Love on the Spectrum and Love Island. It's just like Ragdoll Island or something. And well, what's going to happen is we, we can see this coming. We'll try and introduce them but the two rag dolls oh, get in a relationship <laughs> and then they'll Dude, imagine, leave their partner imagine that it's just like <laughs> controversy struck when she walked in and found the two rag dolls smashing and it's just like well, this isn't a rat okay i the other one looked i don't i don't know what it was made of but this one looks like she's inflated a balloon and drawn a face on it. Yeah, this looks like she's uh, she's grabbed some memory foam and then just wrapped a sheet around it and mm. just drawn, like, you need to get a better artist as well. Like, it looks like the one on the, the – it looks it's got, like, a Michael Jackson, like, nose uh, post-plastic surgery. Yeah. It is just a terrible vibe. This The other guy, he's actually done a good job. He's got the, as we said, the influencer lips. They're in a – I just realised they're in a park. There are people behind them. Yeah, there's, like, there's people. <laughs> and neither of the people behind them are calling the police. Imagine seeing this, like, you just have to think it's a joke, right? Like, if you were in yeah. the park and you saw this dude, yeah, like, yeah. He's, he's like, here, take a photo of me and me and my ragdoll missus making out. You'd just be like, oh, well, they're, okay, they're making Jackass 6, I guess. We're in it now. <laughs> in the background. You'd be looking around for extra hidden cameras. You would, like, for these, sure. These guys are filming me. I, um, I Controversial opinion here, but um, I'm happy for them. Happy for them? I'm happy for them. You know, there's worse things you can do in the world. Oh, 100% there's worse things like, you could do. Honestly, I reckon what we need to do, we need to we need to actually track this guy down and just say, hey, dude, why don't, like, if you're really that lonely, why don't you just join the Glen Waverley Hawks football club? That's you know? exactly right. <laughs> There's someone there that'll suck your dick. <laughs> you get morale by hanging out with the boys for, for half a year. So, um, and yeah, shout out to uh, the guys over at the Big Sam, Steve Mack. I know that love is love and that's strong with you. And I saw that you brought these guys up uh, a few weeks ago, the... The, the woman, um, but it wasn't until I saw that this guy pop up in my news feed today, I figured that, that that's something that I needed to talk about. There's there's more of these ragdoll freaks out there. And there's got to be... Get them together. I wonder what it is. I'm, I'm curious, like... I'm, I'm so... There's, there's a... There's more than these two, definitely. Dude, I reckon there. there'd be a whole underground community. You know how there's, like, fluffies? How people are into, like... Dressing up like animals and stuff. like Fur- Furries? Furries, yeah. yeah. Furries, yeah. Sorry, fluffies. 
Fluffy's the name of a neighborhood cat. Um, yeah, like our people are people are furries. Like, there's got to be there's got to be a whole ragdoll community out there. I th- yeah, it's I reckon it's it's less about couldn't find love with another human being. It's just you, you can't deal with another human being. Yeah. You know, like you just much prefer the silence. Yeah, and a ragdoll. And like just date nights would be cheaper. You're only eat, you're the only person eating. <laughs> <laughs> no arguments. Yeah. Oh fuck, good stuff. Well, mate, I might leave it there. Thank you for coming on. Mate, Appreciate absolute, it. Absolute pleasure. We'll exactly, um, next time I'm back up uh, Coffs Harbour slash Bellingen Way. We'll tee it up again for sure. Um. So yeah, be for, be sure to follow your socials if you want to give yourself a quick shout out there. Yeah, man, uh, Ben Stevenson Comedy on Instagram. Chuck us a follow there. Um, I'm floating around Facebook as well. If you punch that in, Ben Stevenson, you'll find me. Yeah, uh, I'm doing a gig in Brisbane September eighth, depending on when this is out. Yeah, it'll be out before then. Yeah, cool. So uh, buy a thousand tickets. Buy all the Please. tickets. Yeah, that'd be great. Invite your friends. Follow Coffs Comedy on Instagram as well, which is what Ben runs. Yep. If you are listening to this, how you can help us out is by giving it a rate on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcasts or Apple Podcasts, I should say. Uh, give us a rate. Help us get in that algorithm. And as always, chill to the next episode. Smoke weed every day.